The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms. Join in for spiritually enlightening discussion and the practical application of new thought principles. Here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Executive Minister and Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. It is really important to listen to this show today because this is a powerhouse show. We are going to talk about the legendary leader and civil rights leader of the mind and heart, the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman. Today, I have guests that are world-renowned for teaching people how to transform their lives using truth to transform lives. So today we have the first guest, and this is in no order. I'm just going to go from how I have it written down. Uh, We have the number one transformational voice of all time, the motivator, Les Brown. How are you doing there, Les? I'm better than good, better than most. It's always a treat when great people meet. (laughs) (laughs) beautiful beautiful we also have on as a guest uh, a person who's just a pioneer in the new thought movement an actual legend in the new thought movement the first bishop of the new thought movement the bishop dr barbara king how are you doing uh bishop king Uh, wonderful and so happy to be with you thanks for asking me Thank you. Thank you for saying yes. I have one to call the president of the Universal Foundation for Better Living, the actual organization that the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman founded. We have, and she's also the senior minister at, of Universal Truth Center in J- Kingston, Jamaica, the Reverend Dr. Sheila McKeithen. How are you doing? I'm great this morning. Good morning, everyone. Beautiful, beautiful. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we also have on the call... Uh, the successor at Christ Universal Temple uh, for uh, the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman, author, speaker, and, and leadership expert, the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells. How are you doing there, Reverend Wells? I'm doing amazing, Reverend. I'm excited about being uh, among such great luminaries. Beautiful, beautiful. So, you know, obviously with so much consciousness on this call, obviously I want to give everybody an opportunity later to call in, but I want to give the guests an opportunity before you start asking them questions to talk about their own personal experiences with Reverend Coleman, to be able to interact with each other. And even if necessary, ask questions uh, amongst each other so we can get the best opportunity to get some insight into who this civil rights leader of the mind and heart was, the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman. So I'm going to start off uh, with you, Les, and I want to talk about who was Johnny Coleman to you? Well, she was a spiritual teacher and an example of what it takes to pursue your greatness. She was a perpetual student. I remember 
whenever I spoke at any of the events that I did at the church, she was always on the front row taking notes. She is the kind of person that believed in continuous learning, and this is the era where we are now. Learn everything that you possibly can as often as you can so that you can take your level of awareness to the next level. That's one of the things I really admired about her. But the other thing is she's not just a liberator of the mind, but she she was a person who, in her own way, she's the first African-American to integrate Unity Village. Uh, there was a hurricane that was coming, and, and up to that point, no African-American had ever slept on the premises of Unity Village. And they weren't allowed to. And, and so, but she did. She did. Some of the students uh, brought blankets, and they told her that you can't stay in the dorm. You have to stay in the barn. And so many of the, the students brought her blankets and, 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 and stayed with her. But she, she stayed, that's how she stayed there at Unity First. And then eventually she was allowed to stay in the dormitory because of the fact that she was one of the most outstanding students they had. And, and she had a, a very strong presence and, and the other students and instructors loved her, and they went to the administration and, and demanded that she be allowed to stay in the dorm because at that time it, the dorms were not integrated. And then when African-American kids came down to Unity and all of the white kids were in the pool and they were told by the lifeguards to get out when the African-American kids got in the pool, and so when that word came to Johnny, Johnny went down, sat by the pool on poolside and told him, get back in. And I dare anybody come to tell you to get out. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody came down to ask him to get out. So she integrated the pool and unity. Yeah. So she had a lot of courage. Uh, one of the, the most courageous things that I learned about her was when she when she called the news conference and had everybody and their brother there and and tur- and and dug a shovel in the ground and turned dirt on property that she did not own. That was the most courageous thing I'd ever seen in my entire life. She didn't have a contract on it, but she claimed it. <laughs> and she got it. Let the record show. Yeah. So that was among what I learned from her. Beautiful. And just so many other things. Yes. 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 Thank you. Yeah. She was bold without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, Bishop King. Yes. You, Bishop King, you were with Reverend Coleman as a leader before anybody that I, I even know. I think you have a very unique perspective of Reverend Coleman. And I would like to know, you know, when you met Reverend Coleman, and I don't even know what year you actually met her, to be honest, but could you speak to the the Reverend Coleman you met and and the impact that she had on your life? Well, 
Johnny was very special to me. She was really, I guess, my transformer. I had spoken that I wanted to be a minister when I was 13 years of age, and I was told by my minister this will never happen because we don't have women ministers in the Baptist church. So I went through the years with that burning desire. I had a lot of engagement, Women's Day speaker, Youth Day speaker. But I moved to Chicago after graduating from school here in Atlanta, and I was going through a very, very, just a, just a challenging okay. divorce. And I got on the bus one morning. I was waiting on my doctor in University of Chicago, and I just started booing. They sent a bus to pick up the students. I started booing, and this lady said, what's the matter? And I said, you know, my parents married and divorced three times, and I said I would never divorce, and yet I'm having to go through this divorce. And she just come to me. She said, why don't you come to my church? I said, where's your church? She said, Johnny Coburn. Well, when she said Johnny Coburn, I just assumed it was a man. And so one morning I got up and I told my grandmother I had my baby. I met her in 67. And I said, Mama, let's go to this church. We got there late because we thought it was like the Baptist church. They weren't going to start on time. So we got there for a 10 o'clock service at about 1030. Well, they were doing a meditation. I'd never done anything like that before. And when I went into that quietness, I realized that I was having peace for the first time. So I started attending an 8 o'clock service. And then I wrote, uh, asked, could I see her? And they said, well, we'll put you on the list. I never got a chance to see her. So finally one day I decided to write a letter. And I wrote the letter to what all I'd been through, who I was, uh, the fact that I was a tither, and I just spread out the whole thing. So she did sit for me. i never forget, I went in the office, and she stood at the window. She had those ceiling-to-floor windows. And I started, uh, it's Johnny, uh, they won't let me pray. they won't let me preach in the Baptist church, and I went through the whole spill and everything. And she turned around to me and she said, Barbara, what's stopping you? And when she said that, I realized nobody was stopping me but me. I joined the church. I became a executive director for uh, programming. And I tell you, I I was in the office when, I, when people would attack her, when they would say things, that were ugly about her, and I've seen her cry, and I and and I realized she was giving me her life story, and when I went into the ministry, so much of what I learned from Johnny, Johnny was tough about true teaching. You could not be negative around Johnny, and I learned that toughness. I learned also the compassion which she had for all of us. I even learned how to dress because Chicago was a very fancy city, and a, and a very dramatic place for dressing. When Johnny wore pink, Johnny had pink hair, pink boots. She had everything. And I, I even went into the same, I, I used the club, I went to the same dress mode, but most of all, she called me Miss B. And whenever she said Miss B, it just it was just a warmth and a love. I've eaten at a home when she, when they just, when you decided to go back and have a convention I hadn't had for years, I went to her house because she was supposed to be the next president. And we sat down and mapped out the whole program. Why I was going to sing, and when we got there, they had changed the whole convention. As you know, she didn't get to be president. There were so many things that went against her. I remember when they had her traveling around uh, all the little white churches, let them know that they had a, an African-American woman, and uh, she wrote a book about, and, I, and the escape right now would have come back to me, but she wrote a little pamphlet, and we missed her while she was traveling. I remember all the people she brought to the church, Catherine, uh, Catherine Ponder, people that we would never have met, because she believed that we should know this truth and get it from the teachers that were out there, Eric Butterworth, I met them all, Rocco Erico, being in a church. And when I moved to Atlanta and began my own ministry, Johnny would send for me, whenever there was anybody there of any important, she would have me come so I could get that exposure. She was just just my 
my sister in Christ. She was just my best friend. She was my wayshore. She was my teacher, and she was tough. But I'm telling you, I grew from that experience with her. I should always love her. Even during her so-called illness, I would go and see her. Sometimes she knew who I was. Sometimes she didn't. But I, I really, at, at, the, at, the, at the transitional service, I was, I was just so... I was just I was just caught up in, in, in grief really. And they sat me right down front in front of this massive photo of her and I had to sit there and look. But I tell you, her spirit is alive. It's alive in all of us on this phone. It's alive in all the people she touched. And my son's all the time, you're just another Johnny Coleman. So that's my story. But I I I really I really when she said, Miss me and we ain't shrimp to get you love shrimp and you would eat shrimp and just she was just a sister. She was just everything to me. And I know I patterned a lot of my life around her. So thank you for this opportunity to just, just share my heart because my heart was always with Johnny. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, Reverend McKeithen, uh, I would like to ask you, why do you think the New Thought message that Reverend Coleman brought to Chicago and then abroad through UFBL resonated so strongly in the African-American community? I believe it resonated uh, so strongly, uh, Reverend Galen, because I believe that people of color were really excited about the Brown v. Board uh, Supreme Court decision in 1954. And that it was believed, and this is through, like, talking to my, my elders, like my dad, they really believed that education was the key. That if we as a people were educated, if we knew better, we would definitely do better. And that once we knew and the door of opportunity was open, we would take it by storm. And we see that in many endeavors today. Um, doors are being closed because we're not only getting in, but we're excelling as we um, take the field. And so I think that she really believed that um, if the mind could be liberated, in the words of uh, Marcus Garvey, who said it best, and Bob Marley, who popularized it in his song, Redemption, that if we could emancipate ourselves from mental slavery, because none but ourselves could free our mind. In other words, the legislation that was um, uh, being uh, asked for as it relates to human rights and civil rights in the world through the Kings and the Malcolm X's and the, and the Garvey's, that what really needed to happen in addition to that was that we needed to ready ourselves by readying our minds. And so in the great city of Chicago, she was liberating minds to accept that God had already given to us and that she taught was already our birthright and our spiritual inheritance. And so that tradition continues today through all of our churches in North America, South America, and the Caribbean. Because even if you have a gift, if you have an inheritance, but you cannot accept it, then what good is it? And so at the same time, as, you, as we move on the social front and, and uh, participate in various social action movements and use our voices to speak up when there is um, someone being denied their, their, their human rights and also their spiritual rights, not to mention their constitutional rights, 
when they are being denied and we raise our voices and say, hey, wait a minute here. Uh, you know, is not God one for all people? And when we do that through this message, we carry on the legacy and we continue to liberate uh, minds and hearts. And then, of course, you know, that's a gift, Reverend Galen, that lasts from generation to generation to generation. And I'll be preaching on that Sunday. That it's not just about me being liberated, but it's about future generations being liberated. And I think that's the greatest legacy that you can live, one of liberation, where people are free to, to be that which God have, has called them to be and to express the God-given gift that's been, that, that, that God has uh, placed within them. Thank you. Th thank you so much. Thank you so much. Liberation of the mind. Reverend Wells, I want to um, talk, ask you about viewing Reverend Coleman in the context of teaching a success and prosperity message. Um, you know, as the successor of her church, that was one of the things that you inherited. Could you speak to Reverend Coleman's consciousness of prosperity and why that mattered as a civil rights leader of the mind and heart? Absolutely. So one of the things that I think uh, uh, Reverend Coleman did so masterfully was that she not only taught us how to do it, she modeled it for us. Uh, you know, there's a saying like you, you, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? Well, when it came to uh, the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman and Christ Universal Temple uh, as, as really an epicenter of um, this prosperity movement, uh, there was no doubt that she knew what she was talking about because you could see it all around her. You could see it in the in the church. You could see it in the people who were with her. You could see it in how the lives were being changed or the people who were connected to the ministry, uh, how the people who were connected to the people connected to the ministry, their lives are getting better. So she was an amazing teacher and an amazing model. Um, and even for me personally, like it's, it's, it's one thing to say uh, I believe in you and I believe in your potential, um, but one of the things that she modeled for me as a prosperity teacher and helping me to understand the infinite source of God is she even invested in uh, in my ministerial training. She called me to her office and and put a put a nice check in my hand like that's that's putting that's putting your truth uh, to work. And so uh, having an opportunity to to experience uh, Dr. Coleman as a as a teacher as a um, as a model and as a leader and having served on on a board for as long as I did uh, she was she was absolutely true to what she taught us and uh, it showed up so much so that even when the streets began to talk they they assumed that there were money silos on the church and that our trees had money growing off of them because uh, it, it just showed up so consistently in in what we said and what we do, did and what in what Johnny uh, taught us to be able to do and so it's one of the it's one of the rich legacies of uh, of this ministry I believe and of the movement because we like as as one of the titles of the books is like mystics have bills to pay too and so we all understand the value of being able to demonstrate the results that we say are available to us and possible to us and so I believe she was an excellent model of what she taught thank you thank you Les I would like to ask you about Johnny Coleman as a creative person. You know, you did a lot of work with uh, with Johnny around, and I'm calling her Johnny at times with Reverend Coleman because she told us to call her Johnny. When, <laughs> uh, but Johnny is a person of cre who had creative ideas, who 
pushed the envelope. Could you speak a little bit about traveling and working with Johnny as she pushed the envelope with creative ideas? Well, one of the things that that she did that really I admired about her and caused me to be the person that I am today, she not only pushed ideas, but she pushed you. I remember being in a meeting with Johnny and some of the New Thought ministers after I graduated from the Universal Foundation for Better Living. And so I was holding truth classes in Columbus, Ohio, and then I, I moved them to Miami. And, and, and I had five people in Columbus and five people in Miami. So I asked Johnny, which I should not, I said, uh, Johnny, why is it that I only have five people? She said, because you have a five people consciousness. <laughs> I'll never forget that as long as I live. Do you hear me? Yes. I, I, I wanted to go under the table. <laughs> and, and when she said it, and she just looked at me, and I couldn't deny it. And so what I did, and Helen Carey can, can verify this, she so moved me in the conviction in which she spoke that there was a defiance in me as a result of that one statement. And I did not take my clothes back in, in, in the garment bag that I brought them in. I, I put my clothes in a box and I went to the bookstore and I got over 300 books. And I, and I carried them on the plane with me and held them like a child and went back to Miami and and started soaking up everything that I could to expand my consciousness. And because of her example and her her raw honesty, I I was I developed a reputation as a speaker and and I I was called upon to speak in the Georgia Dome before eighty thousand people and Dexter Yeager he he said, listen, he said, I have a choice between Robert Schuller, Dr. Norman Vincent Peale, Zig Ziglar, Tony Robbins, and you. He said, I don't know you. But someone had given him a, a speech that I did at Christ Universal Temple, and he loved it. And he said, I'm selecting you to speak to the largest group of entrepreneurs in the Georgia Dome. There'd be 80,000 people there. Do you believe that you can do it? And I said in the Johnny Coleman boldness of, of, of consciousness, absolutely. <laughs> and then I, had to, I had to run to the bathroom after the meeting. <laughs> I never spoke to a crowd that large in my entire life. Uh, but she was an innovator. She she was a person that that you could give her an idea and she'd take it to the next level. She brought in a jazz artist, Nancy Wilson, and and I remember I don't know this lady's name, but she was a pianist, a jazz pianist, and she would come in to play. She was phenomenal, and yeah, and sure. so do you know? You remember her name? Somebody knows. Shirley Horn. Yes. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. And and so she taught me to transcend. Don't focus on African Americans. Focus on speaking to the planet. 
And as a result of that, uh, would you believe that over 95% of my audience is, is Caucasian? When I go to speak in Poland, they have to take me to a stadium to speak there because of the large numbers of people that come out. And I learned from her the the diversity of how to e- electrify an audience. I studied her. I took a, and she did a speech once that changed my whole view of speaking. And the speech was, "What is your dream?" In fact, I named my first book, "You Have the Power to Live Your Dream." And that, to me, was the greatest speech she had ever done. What is your dream? And and so I I studied that. I listened to that over. 500 times and her style of speaking and I decided that I was going to model that speech and take it into the corporate world and and as well as to speak not just to new thought audiences but all types of audiences everywhere and it has served me extremely well and I, I give her the credit for it because she was my role model of how to speak to people from all walks of life. She was very innovative of how she approached the presentation and how she personalized it and how she made it a, a, a personal experience. She orchestrated an experience with her speech and transformed people individually and collectively. That innovative oratorical skill, I think, is something that that's needed today more than ever before and that has impacted me and allowed me to impact other audiences. And it's the Johnny Coleman effect on me that they are responding to. Beautiful, beautiful. We only have about about 30 seconds before we have to take our break. And we have some callers online. When I do come back, I did have some questions but I, uh, for Bishop King, uh, Dr. McKeithen, and Dr. Wells. I, it, I also want to make sure that we give the callers an opportunity to call in and ask the questions about Reverend Coleman that they want to ask, because I believe that uh, Reverend Coleman embodied the scripture, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 2. She embodied that scripture. So I want to make sure that we have the opportunity to have people ask questions. We're going to take this quick break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Truth Transforms with your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. We're having a great time with the motivator, Les Brown, the Bishop, Barbara King, Dr. Barbara King, the Reverend Dr. Sheila McKeithen, and the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells as we talk about the legendary Johnny Coleman. Uh, I did get a text that the Les, the, the jazz pianist that you were talking about was Dorothy Donegan. And, oh, yes. I also, yes. and, I, and I also got a text that the pamphlet that 
that uh, Reverend Coleman wrote was called There Is No Hiding Place uh, that Bishop King mentioned. So I don't know if, if, if There Is No Hiding Place is even still available, you know, if it was written in, in the 60s, 70s, or in the 60s. But I think that's something we can look up, and, and if it's available, if somebody out there has There Is No Hiding Place as a pamphlet, if I you can a make copy. a copy, say that again. I have a copy. Oh, okay. So we can, if you can get a copy to me, we can um, take a look at it from at, at UFBL and go and go from there. I'll make sure that Reverend McKeithen gets it. So, uh, Reverend McKeithen, uh, you can you talk a little bit about who Johnny Coleman was to you? Johnny Coleman for me is the reason that I'm alive today, and I say that because she was the one who told her story. Uh, in Miami, Florida, in either 82, 1982, or 1983, uh, of her healing. And little did I know that four years later, I would need to draw on everything that she had said and all that I had learned through the ministry, through the Reverend Dr. Mary Tumpkin in Miami, Florida, one of the Universal Foundation for Better Living Ministries. And uh, so for me, she was the... She had a very high healing consciousness. Most people know her as prosperity, and for her, prosperity included a lot of things. Some people limited it to money, but she didn't just mean money. She included money, but it included your health and your overall well-being, as well as relationships and so on and so forth. And so I just want everyone to know that um, I made it through a death sentence. I was told you have less than six days to live. And because I had the teachings through the Universal Foundation for Better Living under my belt, because I took them seriously, because I studied them and continue to study them to this day, I was able to pull through that particular challenge that confronted me. I just wanted that, you know, for the record to show that. She was a healing presence in the world. Her book, Open Your Mind and Be Healed, her book, It Works If You Work It, all contain uh, her healing messages. And so I just wanted to make sure that that was, uh, you know, relayed on this program. Thank you. Yeah, and let me just say this. Uh, Reverend Wells, I'm, I'm going to get to your question in one moment. I, I just wanted to just say this for the record. In 1990, late 1992, my mom gave me a tape of Les Brown teaching The Courage to Live Your Dreams, Part 2, and it was about Samson and Delilah. And it blew me away. It was around Thanksgiving. My mother was cooking dinner, and my room was next to the kitchen. And I listened to that tape, and no exaggeration, I, I probably over 100 times between November and January when I first came to the church. And I signed up for classes and all the things you were supposed to do. The Johnny Coleman Institute session was about to start. And I bought my books, and I was just listening to Johnny. Uh, she had a tape called God and Man from Guidelines for a Master. And I would listen to this tape, and unbeknownst to me, I would have to prove it very shortly because mm -hmm. I ended up almost dying from an asthma attack, a severe asthma attack. And it was because of the ministry of the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman that I can say from 1993 to 2020 that I've never had a relapse because I can remember saying to my mother in the hospital while she was pacing, while I was in the hospital, emergency room, Ma, according to these books, I don't have to have this if I don't want it. 
And I just believed if I could get what Johnny Coleman was saying, I could be healed. So one, I want to thank Johnny for her message. And I just want to publicly say, if it wasn't for Les Brown, I would have never ended up at Christ Universal Temple. So thank you, Les, for being the open channel of truth that you are. It saved my life. Thank you. Yes, Les. Now, Same Les. here. Sheila McKeithen, you led me to truth as well. Thank you, Les. Yes. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you know, yeah, it, I, I, I couldn't imagine who I would be right now, if I would even still be here if I hadn't heard that tape. So, uh, uh, Reverend Wells, who was Johnny Coleman to you? Uh, so for me, in listening to to Reverend Sheila uh, share how uh, Reverend Coleman uh, helped to save her life, uh, she she really for me she was tr a catalyst for transformation uh, in that she helped me to be able to move into uh, to be alive in this this version of myself if I can put it that way. Uh, I remember being at a at a banquet, uh, a Men Expressing Christ banquet, and. Uh, I didn't get the memo about the attire. I think I heard banquet. I was fairly new to the church at the time, didn't have very many relationships uh, at the ministry at all, probably just my immediate family, my aunt, who I, who I originally began attending uh, Christ Universal Temple with. And I was sitting uh, at this table, and I was wearing a tuxedo less, and I'm, I'm noticing that I'm the only one in the room with a tuxedo on. Everybody is dressed for their Sunday best, but I'm just really uh, overdressed and feeling underprepared and uh, really just really didn't feel like I, like I fit in. And there came a point during the banquet where Reverend Coleman, um, I believe, asked for the men to share a testimony. And I shared uh, a part of my testimony, and Reverend Coleman leaned over and said to Reverend Carey, uh, I want you to work with that young man. And so, so for, for me, um, being able to at that at at a stage and at a at a moment in my life where I didn't feel like not only did I not fit in I didn't feel like I belonged I didn't feel like I was worthy of being in the room uh, truth be told and for for to feel at such a low place in that moment and for Reverend Coleman to see uh, where I could be even though in that moment I was I was not feeling as if uh, I was sufficient. It, it it gave me a sense of who I could become. So um, recognizing Johnny as a catalyst for my transformation uh, and just having the opportunity to uh, have more, do more, and be more, and become more, um, it's been, it's been, that's, that's my, Reverend Coleman, just knowing that I am uh, made in the image and after the likeness of God but having been taught that, I didn't know it at one time, and after being a, a student of hers, uh, after being a child of hers, now I do know it. And so she's a she's a catalyst of transformation for me. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I'm gonna have one more question, then we're gonna have to get to some of the callers. I don't know if we're gonna get all the callers, but we're gonna try to get through them. But callers who are listening, I, I'm gonna need you to ask the question very quickly, and so and who you're directing the question to so we can make sure that we can cover what we need to cover in the short amount of time that we have. Uh, Bishop King, I just want you to briefly just, if you can, uh, and I know briefly is tough, be tough because, you know, you have so much to share. And, and let me just say this to everyone on the show, you know, we can have one-on-one -on -one, 
one-on-ones about what you're doing or about Reverend Coleman or anything else, anytime you just let me know and, and consider it done. Uh, Bishop King, could you speak a little bit about Reverend Coleman as a leader? I, that's what I tend to do before. A leader has to come with the qualities of reaching out to people. I think when a leader reaches out to people, that's most important. So she she talked with us, she taught us, she gave us direction, she gave us wisdom, and she was accessible. And to be accessible to your members or to anyone that you're teaching is most important. She took time with us. And leaders today many times have a, an isolated position that they take. She never had an isolated position. You could, When she was around, you could reach her. And that, to me, is just one of the most important things about a leader. She also taught us that the spirit was within us. And I grew up with the grandma who said, follow your first mind. I didn't know what she meant. Uh, I didn't understand that the spirit was in me. And when she taught me that, that was something that everybody needs to know. And she taught it so strongly. Johnny was a very firm and strong teacher. And if you listen to her and follow her direction, you can never go wrong. So whatever I am today in my ministry is because of the leadership traits that she brought forth that impacted my life. Thank you. Thank you so much. So uh, before we actually go to the callers, I just want to give everybody an opportunity just to briefly let people know how they can get in contact with you. or uh, And if you have something going on, if you could do it in one minute or less, that would be great. Uh, so, uh, Les, um, how can people get in contact with you? What do you have going on? Well, I'm giving out my brand new book for a limited time only called You've Got to Be Hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and they can go to freefromlessbrown.com. Everybody that's listening, go to freefromlessbrown.com, and they will be able to get my book free. You've got to be hungry. And I'm now teaching and training people one-on-one on how to become a, a national and global voice of transformation. And anyone interested in my one-on-one coaching and, and what the investment is, they can email me at lesbrown77 at gmail.com. lesbrown77 at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you, Les. Uh, Reverend Wells, um, how can they get in contact with you? What do you have going on? You can you can get us at cutemple.org. You can also get us on Facebook and Instagram at Rev Derek Wells, uh, all one word. Um, we've got some some exciting things coming. I don't, I don't want to let the cat out the bag just yet, but uh, keep your ears open, and uh, who, who knows, maybe Rev will have me back on the show, and we we can share it when it when it's time. Absolutely, definitely, and uh, just a reminder: Reverend Wells has a, sh- uh, a weekly Q and A called Temple Talks on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Central Time. So make sure you check them out, uh, uh, Reverend McKeithen. Um, how can they get in contact with you? What do you have going on? Oh, wow. I got a lot going on, so I'm going to just kind of hold back a minute. Uh, you can always find me on Facebook under Sheila McKeithen. Uh, also on Instagram, uh, uh, the Universal Foundation for Better Living, USBL.org is the website uh, we, where we offer Dr. Johnny Coleman's book, It Works If You Work It. And what's really going on that's exciting is that that book is also about to be uh, an e-book. And so that's coming up probably within the next couple of weeks. So we're excited about that. And uh, 
the launch, we hope to launch before the end of March, the Universal Foundation for Better Living Travel Tour Adventure Opportunities. And so we'll have some details on that as well. So you can uh, stay with us on Instagram, on uh, Facebook, etc. So we're going to be talking to you about that some other time. Thank you. Thank you. Bishop King, how can they get in contact with you and what do you have going on? Uh, my email address is king8990 at bellsouth.net. King8990 at bellsouth.net. The church has really become an exciting place with Bishop Jack Boma, who is our new pastor. Uh, I'm retiring out, and you can reach him on on Instagram, and also he has a broadcast on Wednesday called Our Blessing from 7 to 8, and he used the principles of Reverend Ike on that program. You can uh, get him on Facebook and all of the other social media, which sometimes I fail to know how to tell you, but all of you know about social media. So just look for Hillside National Truth Center, or Hillside Chapel, and Bishop Jack Beaumont, and we're excited because we had a 24-hour pressure we had to sleep in. We're having another one beginning uh, Good Friday. We'll be in the church from Good Friday until Easter Sunday morning. We have people praying from every spiritual community that you could ever name. The Buddhist, everybody comes. And it's just a wonderful time of soul searching and, and releasing and letting go and letting God be all there is in your life. Beautiful, beautiful. So we're going to... Um, Get some of the callers in. Again, callers, my qu- make sure you ask the question very quickly and who it's directed to so we can get through as many callers as we can. So we're going to bring on uh, Thelma. Thelma, are you there? Yes, I am. And where are you calling you from, me? Thelma? Can you hear me? Yes. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Chicago. Christ Universal Temple. I have no questions. I've just been enjoying reminiscing about Johnny and how much she meant to me and how Christ Universal Temple has really influenced me in my life, world, and my affairs. But I have no questions. Thank you very much. Take care, Thelma. God bless. God bless. Hello. Is this Camilla? Camilla, are you there? Hello? Okay. Yes, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Hi. Do you have a question? And where are you calling from? No, I don't. I don't have a question. I just want to echo what the last caller said. I've been a seeker of truth for the past thirty something years. I've been reading monthly, daily, the daily inspiration, and it has really brought me a long way. I'm not where I used to be, but I'm certainly not. You know where I would like to be, but continue reading the books or the magazine, they help me a lot. I'm calling from Maryland. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to listen in to all those speakers, and I will continue to be an ambassador for truth and continue to speak truth. Thank you for putting this call together. Thank you, Camilla. Thank you for calling in. God bless. Uh, We have Patricia on the line. Patricia, are you there? Patricia? Yes, I'm here. Hi. Where are you calling from, and and what is your question, and who the question directed to? I'm calling from Claremont, Florida, and I don't have any questions. I'm so glad that I found out about this call, and I was able to get on and just get 
reaffirming um, about the powerful teaching that I have been exposed to. And I thank everybody that was on the call to help me get that refreshing. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you for calling in. God bless you. Thank you. So um, what I want to do now is, and I, I, if everyone can give maybe a one to two minute answer, this would be great just for the time's sake. The, the, the new thought message, this unity message that Johnny Coleman took, learned from unity, then created Christ Universal Temple or founded it and then founded the Universal Foundation for Better Living and impacted all of our lives. From the perspective of people that are, you know, in different areas of the world, et cetera, how can this transformational message speak to the civil rights issues of the mind and heart now? In other words, how can this message be the message of liberation in 2020? Anybody that wants to jump in, please do. I think it's very important that we make an assessment of our communication style of what has worked and and begin to face the reality that there's a different audience and there's a different kind of listening and we must be versatile and flexible as Johnny would be in adapting to how we can begin to speak to people in a way that they can really hear us so we can have the explosive growth in the new thought movement that we rightly deserve and not just watch other people steal the stuff that we've been advancing for years and capitalizing on it, but we haven't to the extent I believe that we can. Beautiful, beautiful. Does anyone else want to jump in on that question? Yeah, so I would add to that, Rev, uh, that along with teaching people how uh, to be transformed by the renewing of their minds, there's also an opportunity for our communities of faith and for the people uh, that we have influence with and the people we touch to be very active uh, and proactive in helping to uh, facilitate the conversations and uh, be a part of the changes and to, to, to not be content to just do it inside our walls, but to move out into the communities to be uh, to be where it is so that not only is our is our message touching the minds, but our hands are a part of also uh, turning up the soil. And so um, we can pray and we can work. And uh, I think I think that's one of the opportunities that exists for us and our movement as we uh, go forward. Beautiful, beautiful. I also think that it's a wonderful opportunity for millions. The 18 to 35 year olds, we got to reach them because I think the message would resonate with them very much if they really understood what we're teaching about thoughts of things, meditation, uh, forgiveness. There's so many areas that they're working in and not understanding. So my my thrust right now is to reach that group. Her teachings will sound for me. They're sound for those who receive. We've already heard people say what it has meant to them. And I think the more we reach out to that group with this teaching, because that, that's the future right now. And they are many of them are really struggling. Church all over the world is struggling. How are you going to reach them? So give them the teaching, and I think everything will be fine. Beautiful. Reverend yes, Keith? I'd like to just add, first of all, that I agree with everything that the speakers have said this morning. But I believe also that uh, every individual has some gift or talent. They have some knowledge base. 
they have something that they're really, really good at. And sometimes I believe that we're looking for answers um, outside of us when we already have the answers in the room, right, where the people are. So I think if we keep the, the, the teaching relevant and keep it practical so that it can, um, people can begin to use whatever they have right now, wherever they are, in order to make transformative change, first within themselves, and then be that model that Reverend Derek was talking about for the change in the world. And so um, I'm very hopeful. Uh, I know for me, I have, you know, different gifts and talents, knowledge bases, and I would like to use those in the format of this liberating message in order to share with the world ways that we can move forward, and I'm working on that. Beautiful, beautiful. So for me, I just want to just share this briefly. The thing that stood out to me the most about Reverend Coleman's message is what I call teaching people that there's something radically right about them. Mm -hmm. in, in religion and in our culture, we sell, not we meaning us, but the community and the culture sells something is wrong with you. Theology will say something's wrong with you. You're a sinner. You're, you're not worthy. You're this, you're that. And she came with a message that said there's something radically right about you. Not just right. Radically right. And when you know who you are and you move like you know who you are as a spiritual being living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law, when you recognize that you are a divine being made in the image and likeness of God, that consciousness, that belief system will empower you to take different actions. And I think that if we as a movement really got the message out to the world, and I said this actually as the Chicago Ideas, which is downtown to a group of students from Roosevelt University a few years ago. And I'm speaking to people that are 18 to 25. And when I said there's something radically right about you, you could see that they started to shift because they had never heard a minister say anything like there's something radically right. And I also think that her focus on results matters as you know, Les mentioned about his study groups and, and what she said, and everybody has converse, stories about Johnny Coleman drilling down on you about making those demonstrations. Getting results matter. And everyone is on this call is, is on this call because she got results. And we're a part of those results. And it's our responsibility yeah. to get the results, in other words, impact people's lives in a way to where the demonstration of truth speaks for itself. To quote Joe Goldsmith, he said, when truth is properly taught, it demonstrates itself. Mm -hmm. And and as Neville Goddard would say, you know, uh, you know, faith in God is measured by your confidence in yourself. So we have an opportunity, I believe, as a movement to legitimately say, I believe that New Thought is the message, the message, not just the ministry, but the message for the 21st century. And, you know, and we have a person uh, uh, who has taken it to the world and proved it by being the number one transformational voice and speaker in the world with this message. Yeah. We have an opportunity, and everyone who's listening to this show in the New Thought movement 
to step up our game and do what's necessary to help transform the consciousness of humanity. So we have about one minute left. So I want to thank all of you so much for being on this call. And I think that because of the people that are on this call, my life is better. And I just want to, first of all, just thank all of you for the impact that you've had on me personally. And I know I speak for millions of people. Thank you for being the channels and vessels of truth. And thank you for saying yes and having a, a hearing for Reverend Coleman. So Les Brown, thank you for being the conduit of truth that you are. Thank you. And one thing I'd like to just emphasize that Johnny taught us all, to continue to live a life that will outlive you. Yes. You. Yes, yes. Bishop King, thank you for being a vessel and a conduit for truth. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Reverend McKeithen, thank you for being a vessel and a conduit for truth. Thank you. Reverend Wells, thank you for being a vessel and a conduit for truth. Yes, sir. Likewise, my brother. And in the words of uh, our mother, friend, and teacher, I am the thinker who thinks the thought that makes the thing. Yes, yes. So for those who are listening to the show and want to listen to it later, it'll be replayed during the week. But by tomorrow, it will be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. And before we close, I just want to just let some of the people know, because people have been asking me, I am writing a book. I'm the author of the upcoming book, Truth Transforms. People have been on me, so I'm finally doing it. God bless you all, and I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. I will write them. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.